Welcome to the Music Talk podcast with me, Graham Farmer. In this series of conversations, I interview some of the biggest artists, DJs, and producers in the world. I hope you enjoy this series. Let's get into it. An interview extra today, and I'm buzzing for this one because this man, this man is super, super knowledgeable. I've been wanting to talk to him on a live or a video, like a fuller interview for a long time. I really love what he does. I love what he does on YouTube. I love what his, his output content and just his music. I've been such a fan for a while. I'm excited to welcome Demur into the place. Demur has been a mainstay of forefront of house music scene, pushing out releases on stellar labels. Heavy touring, his funk-laden sound is always centered around soul emotion, a passion that he pours into himself and his sound remains globally appreciated. Definitely from me as well. Hanny from Toronto, Canada, he's got up super early for us. Big up to him. His highly anticipated Visions LP, which you're, we're going to listen to in full. We're going to have a full-on listening party today. It's eight tracks, crammed with house textures, deep emotions. It's got some great collabor- uh, great featured artists, including Fred P from Black Jazz Consortium, Aaron KJ, and Tush. He also, gang in the chat, you can go super on the production questions. Let's push him to the limit and see what we can get. Sure. Um, we're going to do five things. Let's get him in here. Demur. Well, yeah, hello. Hang on, hang on. Where is it? Yeah, there we go. Welcome in, dude. Yo. I'm good, man. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me here. Uh, you know, it's been a while, man. But we, we've been chatting on and off throughout the throughout the years and staying connected. So I appreciate being here. This is great. Thank you for doing it. Thank you for doing it. I mean, like, it was proper last minute as well. Like, so they, they said to me, do you want to do it? And I was like, yes, I want to do it. And I was like, where can we fit it in? Shit, let's move things. <laughs> I moved everything. So thank you for doing it. Sure. Right. Before we do fun stuff, we do silly stuff. Uh, it's lunchtime here in the UK and we love a thing called a meal deal. And that's basically, you go to the supermarket and you get like a sandwich, crisps, combo, drink. You might not have them in Canada, but what is your go-to lunch setup? Oh my gosh. Lunch setup. If I'm out, if I if I can do it, I know you have this a lot in Brixton. Like if I can hit up like a jerk chicken place, like nice. a combo. Nice. Get like the jerk chicken... During the weekday, like a jerk chicken, rice and peas combo. I love that, man. If it's like a Sunday, they usually have like the soup specialty. So I'll rock the soup. Yeah, nice. man. That sounds like, oh, I want that. That sounds like a banging lunch. I want that. That's what Yeah, good man. It'll put you to sleep. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah, you go back to the studio and go, oh, I'm, oh, I'm done. Out, I need to, a little doze. <laughs> sure okay so that's the fun um i mean it's all fun but that's the silly fun um the focus today we're going to talk about visions the lp um you've just dropped it on your own label purveyor un- purveyor underground let me say it right yeah um so let's just i just want to stop before we start listening to tracks tell us about it tell us about it from your end tell us about the kind of ideas and the and the visions and the and the and how it started yeah, uh, this this is this project's been like a work of love over the last uh, year and a half. I, I think uh, I wanted to do a project that captured what it's like to be a creator, and I do believe to be a creator of art, music, whatever you do, there it, it's really a gift. But I didn't want to come off deeply, you know, intensely religious. So it's 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 about what I, it's acknowledging the gift of being able to create music 
And at the same time, it's my relationship with God. So, um, you know, that's why the cover is what it is. The cover is actually an interpretation. I had to license that image um, from someone, a private collector in Britain, actually. Um, no way. Yeah. So that image is about uh, Daniel, who's gifted the the gift of visions, telling King Nebuchadnezzar um, what his dreams were and what it all meant. And the men surrounding him were like, that's why their mouths are open, because he, he was ac- accurate in the interpretation. And a lot of my music, it's it's like, uh, it's, uh, I don't know how to describe it, man. It's like an annoying thing, like a bass line floating through your head all the time until I actually get in here and put it down and then something else enters, right? And I, and I just think those are things, um, you know, it's, I say it's a small gift, but, you know, I, I know not everybody in life uh, experiences that. So I wanted to have a, a project that captured all of that. So, yeah, that's that's what the, the album is about. And so the vinyl was able to push out eight tracks, but the digital release, which is on my Bandcamp and Beatport, has over 15 tracks. So there's a few tracks that aren't even on the, the vinyl itself, which is almost sold out, which is really cool. Like I got that just before I joined this. No way. There's only three, three copies of the vinyl left. Yeah. Oh Juno. man, I'm. I love this album. I'm gonna go. I make. I make on buy this one. I hope, that, I hope <laughs> that if there's some left by the end of this, I'm gonna go buy one. I, I don't even album. have a copy yet. I'm still waiting for mine. So. Oh man, I, gang, gang. I, I'm gonna say I not. I, I rarely enjoy house music albums, but I love this album. And I, I'm not just saying it. I just, I love the flow of music. I loved, like, I sometimes you get, I haven't enjoyed a house music album for such a long time like this album. I was, I've listened to it a few times. I was in it this morning and I was just like, this is lovely. And it's just the movement of tracks and keeps you interested. And so thank you, first and foremost. It's great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay, as is so, yeah, so, so we're going to go through the eight that are on the vinyl. Um, gang, you can go and find the other ones on his Bandcamp for the listen to the rest. And as I said, because we know, I, I know about your YouTube channel, which we want to speak about in a bit as well. We're going to mm. go. De- we're going to we talk about the talk about the tracks in depth and processes and how you did everything. Sure. So let's start with Ruth. Tell me about Ruth. Ruth, yeah. So Ruth, uh, I did that sort of uh, dedication to my mom. Um, and she passed away in September of last year. So oh, I'm sorry, Ruth dude. is actually, Oh, so, so good, man. You know, it's, there's so many crazy things with that. She passed away in Israel actually, which is on a biblical touring trip. Uh, so, no you way. know, I, I just think things, everything just happens for a reason, but I did that in dedication to my mom. Ruth is a biblical character. And again, you, you see what I'm saying? Like I wanted, uh, to do this album and and you would listen to it not knowing it's uh it has you know uh biblical references so ruth is a character in the bible there's a whole chapter and it just embodies uh, it's a tribute to strong uh women um uh who persevere and persist through things and that's why that vocal is in there that you know how how can i resist a person like that because those type of women and people add so much value to your life, you know, um, at least to mine. So, 
Yeah, but that's the background on it. So, <laughs> I oh my god, I love it's a bit this. deeper like, than I, what you expected, right? No, like, <laughs> no. Do you know? Do you know? Sometimes you go, well, tell us about the track. Well, and they go, you go. I just sat down. I, I love a whole story. I love that there's thought and effort and just so much behind making these records. Oh my days! Yeah. Brings, Honestly, brings... that's how I make music. I I go in with uh, a very clear concept. Sometimes it's it's angry. Sometimes it's very happy. Um, this one is just very much about, you know, straight spiritual relationships. So that's where the reference comes from. And everything just sort of falls into place. Do you think other producers might fall down from just not having a thought behind and giving that kind of research and prep to making tracks and just start kind of going, sitting down and just making <clears> and <throat> seeing what happens? And Or is there a kind of benefit to just sitting and playing and playing and finding sounds and seeing what works together. Is there kind of, is there pros and pros against both sides? Yeah. You know, I, I think, uh, I think when it comes, my whole goal is to always create timeless music. I want, you know, some like my album, true school, that was six years ago. That was the, the concept behind that was a merging of old school assets versus new school assets, hmm. which make it true because we always, we always find ourselves in these debates about, oh, what do you know, 50-year-old man? Like, what do you know about this music? And it's like, uh, I know quite a bit <laughs> because I brought this, this, and this to it, which is what is influencing your artistry today, right? Hmm. So when I did True School, that's that's where that came from. And people are still playing those records, those tracks today, because hmm. it's honest music, Right. You know, I, mm. I, I really do believe that, like, that's what makes timeless and, um, and sought after music when it's, it's honest and it's not formulaic to, you know, oh, let's see what buddy who's dressing kind of funny with the floral shirts and playing tech house today. Like, you know, and I, and I don't, that's not a shot at anyone specifically, but we do see that in our industry and those guys, they come and go. Uh, uh, like they they burn out and and that goes for all music not just our underground electronic music but all music when you're just there for the moment and you're just making tracks because you want to be in the top 10 whatever as opposed mm-hmm. to actually trying to say something that people can connect with whether in the club or elsewhere you know it's it's easy to know who wins out in the longer term uh, amen Amen. I'm also, I'm glad my shirts have got toucans on when I play Tech House. All good. I'm good. I'm good. He wasn't doing yeah. <laughs> There's some great right, Tech House out there. I mean, I don't mean to take a shot at it, but that's reality, right? Like, Let's play this record. There's a lot of bargains. I'm going I'm I'm to, also with your tracks, they're really long compared to these, compared to how our tracks are these days and I'm like I was listening to this one and I was like oh a long track yes I can get lost in it and I can play yeah, it and yeah. it's not but five and a bit that's, minutes that's another thing that's another thing for the moment right like this like I, I I couldn't believe like I'm starting to see like two three minute tracks like what, what do you want me to do with that like that's good for streaming yeah but as a DJ you're, you're there you're there to create on these decks you know like hmm. And, and and tell a story or and or invoke an emotion. So I <laughs> I I don't get it. 
but yeah, we're starting to see a lot of that now. Let's play. Let's play Ruth. Let's go for this. Holy crap, let's give that the rave on. Whoa. Whoa. So, uh, just so I, for, for our streams, right? Because we have demo streams on Mondays and we do demo feedback every Monday. So, we have two set, we have two things. We either have this, which is the rave on. That is, yeah. is pretty banging. We like this sort of track. Or oh, we, have, I'm a big Hulk fan. Uh, and we have, Hulk. Uh, we have Hulk. Hulk. for the Hulk smashes. Uh, um, that's funny. Wiki. So, let's talk about this track. So, how do we like? Where, what was your process when you start making tracks? Tell me about that. Yeah, I, I generally go with. Uh, I I like to. I tell a lot of people that I'm coaching. This is always try to anchor yourself around the main melody or baseline of a track. So for me, nor- normally it's I, I call it a main loop, whatever, mm-hmm. right? So it was that that thing with that nasty bass line, filtered bass line underneath it. It was like a guitar loop I found somewhere. And uh, I just built everything around that. So I anchored a key and then the and then I separate the bass line out of it. If it if it makes sense. For Ruth it, it made a lot of sense. You know, once every once you have the key, I make sure that transitions to the kick and any other percussive loops I'm going to use that are part of the drums, snares, everything. Like mm. it just, you know, music is, it's fascinating that way. Um, Cause when things are in key, no matter what instrument it is, not only does it sound cohesive, but things sound louder. So you don't have to fight with this loudness wars uh, stuff provided, you know, you, you know, you tuned and EQ your sounds uh, appropriately to whatever it is you're anchoring to in the track. So that's generally, uh, I go through it, I do a quick sketch, I step away from it for a couple of days, and then I come back, arrange the whole song, and uh, I'll take another couple of days and then bounce out the pre-master and send it off for mastery. Nice. That's very cool. I like that you're, you're yes, yeah, so you're, you're basically you're creating your hook around sounds and kind of that one one part, one like that's that's your hook instead of being a you know like a, some like some people go a vocal some people that's you're going from a sound and an instrument that's that's a crazy that's mental that's cool as well yeah, yeah man I, I mean I I you know I I wouldn't call myself the most the greatest musician or whatever I can get around a keyboard and I I do play bass and drums as well so mm. I I just come from I come from that like 
being out of key is okay sometimes, but generally you want to be in key. And I, I don't think a lot of people do not, they, they just don't realize that their ears are already tuned to these 12 notes. You know, mm-hmm. there's no 13th note. It's 12 notes, eight octaves. Uh, and that's how you know from the time you're born whether a person can sing or not. Because the closer the person is to the key, it's like, you're like, oh, man, they can sing, right? So mm. you should do the same in, in your music as much as possible. I think I must be one of the furthest people away from the key. Yeah. <laughs> in your singing voice. Trust me, mine, is, mine is awful, too. I've, like, told it's it's hilarious, like, when you're working with very talented singers and you, you sing something to them, like, this is how you hear it in your mind. And then they actually do what it is supposed to be. It's just like such a contrast. So it's hilarious. It rains when I sing. Oh, yeah, it does rain when I sing. You're right. <laughs> it rains when you say. I just, yeah, I just saw that in the chat. It's hilarious. Um, Harvey but, says, uh, do you find yourself gravitating more towards being in the box with the accessibility of Luke Plow provides rather than writing some riffs and messaging around with your own hardware? No, I, I, I have a healthy what I, what I consider a healthy balance, you know, I mean, over the, you know, I started producing in the nineties. So I was all out of the box, you know, there was mm. no loop cloud or any of that stuff. But over time, as you develop your sound, I know my sound requires some external things mm. that just won't sound good as a VST. So it's a nice, healthy uh, balance. I would say, <laughs> Over time, I've acquired more outboard stuff. I repaired my my uh, ASR ten, which is uh, you know a sampler from the nineties, and uh, uh, it's done some phenomenal things. Which external things? Um, so yeah, like I have a Deep Mind twelve. There's the Matrix uh, Brute behind me. I have a Mini Brute here, Arturia Micro Freak, which is a crazy keyboard. I made. Um, uh, soul music on Moxie and Darren Sorosian's uh, Moxie label with that. Roland System 8, I have a Moog uh, Subsequent 37 over here, which I've used on several projects. And I have a preamp that I run my mini brute through for bass sounds. Wow. Cool. Wow. Yeah. Is that right? Any samplers of your is going in? Any samplers of your favorite samplers? Oh, that's cool. I, samplers, honestly, I, I don't think there's an awesome sampler right now for for our time, right? Like, once it's digital, you can do whatever you want with it, you know? So I use Serato sample quite a bit just for the flexibility, uh, but that's a, VS, that's a VST. They got Serato stems now. But the ASR-10, like as an old school sampler, I'm not really sampling things in there anymore. I'm just pulling up stuff I might have sampled in there before and then bringing it into uh, my uh, computer. And then Hob says, what is your go-to VST or hardware that you're nearly on every track you've made or that you cannot live without? Yeah, question. great question. So the, the, B, the v, go-to VST is Serato Sample. I start everything pretty much from that. And uh, outboard gear. I have... Uh, the ASM Hydrosynth Explorer down here. That's actually in Ruth. That's that sound that goes doo. It, it comes from 
the ASM. Nice. That's cool. Oh, that's a Hydra synth. So sick. Okay, cool. Yeah. And uh, you guys in the chat, you've got the you've got that SP twelve hundred on your on the brain since since Steve Max said about it earlier in the week. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great piece of kit, man. Hey, you know the the thing the thing about I've been like, man, I want to get one of those too. But I do I do have an MPC X. Uh, it's not exactly the same, obviously, but you know, there's it's uh, the SP twelve. 24 they're 8-bit machines right so you just uh if you push it through a 8-bit distortion or whatever you kind of get the same effect i i did in my daw too but yeah those are great pieces of kit man okay uh to that i love you is the second track tell me about this one i firstly i flipping love this track i was listening to it about three or four times this morning in a row like and i was like shit i need to listen to the rest of the album and get get my head around the rest of it and I had to stop myself. So, tell me about this track. Sorry, to know that I love you is that uh, yeah, that's part two. That, or? Yes, uh, part one. Oh yeah, okay. A two. Yeah, to know that I love to know that I love you. That uh, track is just really just some raw, just feeling based stuff. You know, um, in mm. terms of what what I feel when I'm making music, it's almost yeah euphoric to some degree so um yeah man that that's it's it's nothing too complex that's that's what it's about Go gang! Holy moly! So the other thing we've got apart from the rave horn and the Hulk fear and the Hulk smash is basically a long time ago I said somewhere on a live stream that I love kick dramas and everything has a, basically when I'm trying to pick tracks for data transmission for the premiers I do a little kick test and then someone basically MXL basically sampled that and made a whole track out of it so and then Darius started playing it and then Darius Rossi started playing it and then it's done like a hundred thousand streams but the whole kick test thing is now part of it. Uh, these streams and we have the whole we have the okay pass the kick test i quite like the kick thank you um and that one definitely <laughs> passed the kick test <laughs> that's awesome man i love it pass the kick test wicked um, um yeah that track man jeez it's what it's one of my favorite tracks on on the album um the, the i too <laughs> yeah i did like it's just um you know that chord progression is just crazy it's uh it's actually uh i got it uh i don't think they'll come after me but it hiatus hiatus coyote uh from australia 
So uh, there was a jam session they were having, like some rear jam session, and I caught it. And that's why you hear the guy's voice, like saying, "Yeah, do it." Like it, it sort of cuts off. So it's it's the bass player and yeah, and the keyboard player trying to figure out what to do, and then uh, I forget the poet's name, but that's the voice you're hearing. Love, 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 love your country, love your life. It's a whole poem, so it all just sort of fit together. But that oh that chord progression is everything. So yeah, I just I played once I figured out I chopped it. I'll like I'll I'll play over stuff just to sort of enhance and give a bit of different texture and, and uh, keep things interesting uh, because it's loopy music. Right. So hmm. like if I didn't add those additional keys or play bass on it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be what it is right now. So yeah, I love that too. That's a, yeah, I haven't heard it in so long. So it's awesome. <laughs> you were saying when we were just off there, it's nice listening to these again, cause you were, you were kind of box them and send them out and then, yeah, yeah. I like when I finish a project, it's okay, it's done. So the only other time I'll hear it is if I'm DJing at a club or whatever, or somebody else is playing it, you know, hmm. because I'm just my mind's on to the next project, you know, which is, you know, the stuff I'm working on now, it's very occupied in there. So, yeah, it's a non stop, relentless thing. That's cool. Um, right, so uh, and then so that was that track's followed up with part two, and even with one part one and part two, there's a whole like in my demo streams, like I was on a Monday. It's basically people, thing that producers struggle with is we all have this so much is the kind of finding the little ear candies that just make a track like just finished and sounds so much and gives extra mm-hmm. depth, and and these two tracks have them so much. Um, I was just I was in love with them. Um, where do you find them? Where do you hunt for them? Where do you kind of, how do you find those little extras that, that can help these producers in the chat? Yeah. Like when it comes to sampling, I, I tell people sample everything, sample every day. If, if there's something like intuitively, it's gotten to the point of if, if I'm even watching TV uh, and I hear something, I'm, I'm making a note. Like I'm on my, I'm on my iPhone making a note <laughs> and I'll go back to it and I'll, I'll go get that, you know? Um, I do quite a bit of record digging still. I think there's just things on a piece of vinyl that you just won't find anywhere else, you know? Um, Mm. So I do quite a bit of record digging. Not as much as I used to because vinyl, if you're a vinyl head, you know how it gets, right? Like you're just (laughs) like, like I I had, I had like 10,000 records uh, and I sold, sold a few but I'm back at it again. There's a bunch of vinyl on the floor here. That they I just they just sort of live everywhere, don't they? They they, they don't really yeah. have. They start they start in a home, and then and then they just become, and then and then they just sort of live in little piles all yeah, over yeah. the place. And you unlift yeah. something, you're like, oh, there's a little pile of vinyl. I forgot about that little pile. And there you go, oh, right? No. Like they just they they crawl into every space. <laughs> you're not they, careful, they but do. I mean. <laughs> We're, but we're in that time, like with technology, where we could sample anything from anywhere. So that that's where I'm at with it. Like I'm, I go for what catches my ear and grab it, nice. chop it up, do something with it. But definitely don't sample me again, guys. No, <laughs> the last <laughs> the <dream> test. 
The last time, <laughs> like, do you know the thing with that is, uh, I say okay all the time, and I every time I say okay now, it, I hear it, I hear that sample, <laughs> and it actually drives me up the bloody wall. Like, I'll go okay, and then, or I'll say okay in the office, and then one, and then one of the, one of the others will go, bastard kicked it, and I'm like, no, stop doing yeah. that. <laughs> it's, it's literally driving me up the wall, like. They got, they got it on is, street deck, ready to go. Yeah, oh, it's yeah, it, it's driving me up the wall. Right, so let's listen to part two. Why is there a part two? This is this is part two of the yeah, previous there's, one. There's a part two for that because when I was making, well, with that particular, a couple of songs, I had different versions of it, and and it's something I normally don't do. I I'll just commit to the one version and put that through. But with that one, with Moody Man's voice. It, uh, I had to be sure that it sat well, uh, in the mix with, so in the first one, it just wasn't working. It, it was just like something is missing. So I figured it out in part two, when I swapped out the sample, it's, it's much more aggressive and that's the feeling I, I wanted, you know, it's just like this persisting thing. So to come back to the concept of the album with visions like i'll wake up some mornings and it's just this constant like do this baseline write it down do it now all day <laughs> you know until i actually do it so that's what that's about uh that that sample man it's it's wow it's very driving too so to have his vocal talking over it it, it all just culminates to this nice uh, space that just makes sense for the track so that's why part two we're not That's a big Beast, track, dude. dude. Thank you so much, man. Uh, I'm just I'm looking here. It's so like I said, it's so funny to come back and <laughs> it's, it's funny to come back and listen to track. I, I don't know if you can hear that, but I was like, man, I didn't realize uh, I used the Fender Rhodes note. Uh, I, I I played it more percussively just to change it up. So it's it's good. Mm. Da, 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 da. And it's, I'm pretty sure it's the Hydrosynth. Yeah, it's right there. It's funny. Sick. Um, everyone was loving, everyone was loving those surround sound, those key, those key, those key hits are dope as hell. Uh, Harvest vibes on vibes. Uh, the rolling bass line of those keys is sick. Yeah, everyone was loving yeah. that one. <coughs> yeah, thank you. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, like I said, it's an aggressive 
track. I like that track too because it's a track a DJ can put on and and have a use Moody Man as a vehicle to speak to people while they're playing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so yeah, that that track works. Someone asked in the choir question: Is the sample from an R Red Bull Music Academy lecture? Yeah, the Moody Man sample. I don't. I don't believe so because it's got. If you're listening carefully, there's like some singing in the background. Like that's. Mm. It almost sounds like it's from the radio. Uh, I thought it was from there. I have to go back and check where the hell I got it from. But I did know, like you know, just for other producers here, I did message. I DM'd Moody Man to say, "Hey, I've done this." I, I sent him the album and a copy of the track just to say hey if you're concerned please let me know um because it is his voice is part of mm. his artistry obviously mm. so i did reach out and i haven't heard back oh, cool. hopefully he's okay with it but um <laughs> it is what it is what it is i mean like you know it's to the point where like my stuff is getting sampled people are sampling my drums uh and i hear it all the like i know oh shit that's mine like you know and it's pretty flattering you know um I'm pretty cool with it, but you know you got to be careful. So I feel I feel a load of the producers in here will be will be using those little key stabs. That, that I think that the amount of them they're giving it the love. Well, demo streams in the coming weeks will start seeing the little key stabs in there. Yeah. <laughs> or, also, also whilst it, well, he someone has resumed some more cowbells. So I've got some instruments too. I've got some. I've got some cowbells. <laughs> Which I have to yeah, be careful with the drumstick because because I've hit myself in the head with the drumstick a couple of times. Uh, I've also yeah. I've also got one of these. See what you can do with one of these. <laughs> That's a good one. What um what music were you listening to when you were growing up? I listened to pretty much everything, man. Um, my my dad's uh, he's classically trained actually in guitar, so we had like loads of like and, and he's from Trinidad. We have a Trinidadian background, so like everything from Calypso, Soca, Reggae, Jazz, a little bit of uh, classical, 70s rock, some dope 70s rock that I love, like dope 70s rock, you know. Um, So that's quite an eclectic uh, uh, room of different sound choices and stuff that I grew up with. So, yeah, and then I got into hip hop and realize you know they're sampling records my dad already had so that's that's a whole thing yeah it's so crazy it's like like i was listening to this and my dad was playing it casually and then q-tips rhyming over like what so (laughs) skeleton keys has been listening in the car and was squirming hopes that someone mentioned those keys in in the in the last track ah dude Uh, and your video tutorial on scalar has inspired me to buy it ah Awesome. That's great. It's good. We have so much good, good tools, like great tools. Like there's no, I, I saw a question earlier about, you know, what do you do about writer's block? I, and I've covered this on my YouTube channel a couple of times. I don't believe in writer's block at all. I, I really, I really think it's a, it's a choice, especially with everything, all the options we have creatively today. I really think it's a choice. Um, so I don't believe in writer's block at all. I think, you know, as long as you're living and you look around you outside your, your front or even and the Internet is great for just everything from interesting to really super stupid conversation. You can find <laughs> it, you know, um, and, and that could inspire you in different ways. So, 
Yeah. Do you think when they're saying that on the internet, it could be more that they're experiencing stress or other things going on in their life that's just they're focused on more than what they than being creative? And that's for sure. That's right, right block. Yeah. There's a lot more distractions, for mm. sure. Like, like I said, I started producing back in the 90s, man, uh, as a 16, 17-year-old kid. And, uh, like, it was, like, head down, I could just do that. I didn't have social media to deal with, you know, and, and some of those pressures. And, and just being inundated with all kinds of different information, solicited or unsolicited, coming at you, you know. <laughs> like, uh, so, for sure, like, it's a different time, but... I don't know. It's a lot more noise. And if you know what you want, you, I think you can cut through it and get to where you are wanting to be. That's cool. Okay. Let's talk mind, body, and soul. Dot call oh. me. The one, this is the one thing I love about your music, dude. It can either be from stumping house tracks to lovely disco moments. And you've done this on Hot Creations. Like There was a Hot Creations EP way back that did exactly this. It was like thumping, then a disco. Then a, and I absolutely love that you do this on a, a lot of your stuff. Do you feel this is the benefit of, of albums and EPs that you can show more of a sound, a range, and, and it stops? It gets more music out there that you're into and just it's not affected? Because there are a lot of singles out there and people are pushing singles a lot. That, that single yeah. thing is playlist culture, man. Um, mm. And I think it's so limiting and boring. I really do. So that's the singles piece. I'll I'll I'll, I'll just stop there because <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, <laughs> because I, I you know they're they're promoting that you know with best intentions. They're promoting mm. that because we have a generation of people who've never you know held a piece of vinyl in their hand or a CD or downloaded an MP3. They they get to know each other through swapping playlists and, and and to show this is my musical taste and thus therefore an extension of who I am, which is fine, but it shouldn't come at the cost of of artistry and who you are, right? So you know I I tend to gear towards uh, I'm going to do a project and it's going to be diverse. And you're going to know it's me because I have my signature on it, whether it's a deep house track to a tech house to a funky jacking or stomping house track, to use your words. So I, that's I, I, I find that much more meaningful in my exchange of being a creator and sharing it with the world and an audience. That's much more meaningful than a, a single two-minute, three-minute track that is just just one dimension you know we're all people here right like and we're complex in nature you have varying interests i'm sure graham outside of music um you know like you're running and stuff you know that's a that's another dimension of your life whereas i think as an artist you shouldn't just limit yourself to just this one genre mentality and growing your tech house artist like uh, audience or whatever like you know, you're much more than that one thing that people are mm. trying to box you in. So I remember when I stopped caring about what genres my music landed in, everything just opened up, you know. Mm. So I'm not afraid to to do these things. But Mind, Body, and Soul, bro, that is – that track, when I heard that sample, bro, I was like I, – I heard the sample and I knew exactly – I heard the whole track – and going back to the concept of this album, as we discussed before, you know, I need, I want your mind, body, and soul. Call me, 
you know, don't give me any kind of resistance, which is the the breakdown. Oh, I just love it. And it's funky as fuck, man. <laughs> it's just, it's a track. I, hey, I play what I, f- I remember when I finished that song and the album wasn't out. It's funny. I'm playing there this weekend at House of Yes. I, I played it at their sister club called House of X in Manhattan and it went off. Like, and that's what that track is. People can connect to those words. You know, do you want my mind, body, and soul? Call me. But, you know, you can, and you see couples singing it to each other on the dance floor. Like, that's just the best thing. You know, I love, love that. I love it. I love it. I don't want to talk about House of Yes in a minute because I, um, I've never been there, but it looks absolutely amazing. But let's play this track first and then, and then we'll talk about House of Yes. That track is sick. Let's... <laughs> oh, wow. That was cool. There's a load of big questions in the chat. Harvest, with removing your catalog and Prevail's Underground's catalog from Spotify, do they do you still see growth via other channels that aren't necessarily Bandcamp or offer sales or downloads? Yeah, I certainly do. I, I Like, uh, this whole thing came up. Uh, I did an interview with Attack Magazine, and it was during the pandemic. Well, we're still in a pandemic, but the, in the early stages of COVID, I just made the decision: like, I'm not giving Spotify any more of our uh, catalog, just because it's just the business model only benefits a few, and uh, it's certainly not for Purveyor Underground, in my opinion. So we did that, and then Attack Magazine followed up recently. Like, uh, I think they published the interview two weeks ago and yeah, it's been great. Like between Bandcamp and just Beatport, which is our primary retailer for mm-hmm. Purveyor Underground. And now we have Purveyor Underground Limited, which is the vinyl side of things. I've actually seen an increase in revenue and those labels that tell you that their revenue has increased by being on streaming is part as part of a function they're not giving you the whole picture which is their uh instead of deals when they sign music being 50 50 a lot of labels are starting to say we're going to take 60 70 even 80 percent of net sales mm-hmm. so yeah their revenue goes up but it's it's only because they protected themselves in in the distribution of sales now this is not necessarily true for all labels i uh, I, you know, I'm sure there's some outliers in the analysis, but in general, that's not indicative of progress. You as a label taking more from the artists in a streaming world and saying, yeah, we're doing fine. We're making more revenue. No, you just up the distribution of what net revenue comes to you. So hmm. to answer the question, I'll give you a perfect example with visions. 
first two weeks it was on uh, uh, Beatport. Then last Friday I put it on uh, Bandcamp. And over that one weekend on Bandcamp, I've made more money for my own music, like in terms of a project where I could say, yeah, I, I can expect a couple of thousand, like right off that because it's mine and i it's like it equals one track <laughs> x amount of dollars and it's going into my pocket because it's my stuff whereas with streaming it is it's it's a it's a joke you know uh i can only say that's what works for me and and the label um skeleton keys how do you feel about ai will it affect music do you think ai could mimic soul I don't, yeah, that's a great question. I don't think AI can mimic, um, but I do think uh, AI in the right um, human hands could open up. Uh, uh, it's funny, it's ironic to say that, right? Um, yeah. Can do some it. super creative things. You know, I mean, there's that video, the get a video going around with, I wrote these lyrics as a joke and I got, I got Eminem's. Uh, you know, to say these things and it sounds pretty funny and cool or whatever. You have those scenarios, but AI has been around for a while, especially in Korea. They're using it. To, they used it to determine what is the most optimal song structure and what people react to oh, for yeah. K-pop. Yeah. And then, That's sick. and they just keep repeating that formula, but this is the beauty of the human spirit. Eventually we're just like, this is boring. I don't like this anymore. I'm going to go over here. Just <laughs> completely unpredictable stuff so i think it's good in the right hands um and i I do think it could provide some expansive opportunities for creators yeah i tend to agree i like i think i think it's like like just a skill you're going to learn like like i think even like using google is this you have a skill of using google there's some people that use google really well and there's some people that just type below the rubbish in and just don't get the answers they want i think there's these are skills you'll learn and using ai is going to be a skill that you learn and bring it into the rest of your creative process absolutely loads of like uh good loads of lovely comments for that last track by the way uh the the clavinet reminds me of hudson, uh, hudson records uh that flute though that club that clav yeah yeah the clavinet is me i'm that, i'm playing that what did i that's like a stock logic logic has like when i when i returned to production like in 2014 2015 i was using the clavinet quite a bit from logic and i just mm-hmm. ran it through some preamps and it sounds like the original uh machine the honor clavinet so yeah it works man you, like switch it up that's why i always encourage producers man get like you i don't consider myself a master musician i've worked at this but just like listen to records and, and try and figure out what what they're doing man like I said, like I learned a Herbie Hancock trick recently, and man, I've been doing it in a couple of songs that I haven't released yet, and it's like, wow, this guy. That's why he's so dope as a jazz musician because he's he, he heard harmonies in a different way, and we can all pull from these things just because we're in electronic music. It doesn't we don't have to be zone to samples necessarily Agreed. but yeah on that track i play the i played over the bass i play the roads and the clavinet and there are some sustain couple of sustain notes in there i've added to so that's cool um yeah. jackson swabby question for whenever it's relevant or while i remember back 
to what you said at the beginning with the album having an unseen meaning and depth. Do you think it's our job as artists to make sure it's up front for the listener or let the ones that want to dig find it? Oh, that's, yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I, I think you just need to put out what feels right to you, you know, some, so some, like some artists feel this need to make sure it's very obvious and upfront, make sure people get what you're saying. They're doing like construction here. Sorry for the noise. If you can hear it. Um, <laughs> I swear to God. Uh, and another artist like myself, I, I'll just put something out there to invoke a conversation. So now, so now that we started at the top of this, and I said, and I say this to people too, like who ask me about visions, like you know the concept of it. You do, like, do you know who that guy in the red is? You know, and who that guy with the crown on his head on the left is? Well, that's Daniel, and he's from the Bible, and that's King Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, you've heard of King Nebuchadnezzar in the Matrix? The Nebuchadnezzar that's the ship yeah. is named after. So, you know, it just oh yeah, so shit, I, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just think you need to just tell your story. And as long as you're telling it honestly, I I don't personally, I don't feel a need to be super obvious. I, I'm just putting out a feeling and that's enough for me. Um, Let's play the next one. So Skylar. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, Skylar features Tush dot Tush Love. Or yeah. Tush and Love. Tush, Tush, yeah. yeah. You focus, a future few vocalists. Um, do you have any tips for working with vocalists? Maybe plugins you use to make them sound amazing? Or how do you work with them? What's the best ways? Mm, yeah, the best way, well, with this song, I'll quickly. Skylar, that came about rather quickly. Uh, the way I work with vocalists is just like Lusting You, for example. I'll have the beat and I'll just give it to the vocalist. And if I have a particular vocal phrase, like lusting you is very easy. Like before we joined the stream, Carrie was asking me for stems for it because he's doing some sort of hologram performance with Louis Vega later. It's really cool. Uh, but anyway, uh, so with that lusting you, it's very straightforward because it's in the vocal. Sorry for this noise. That's like drilling. Um, it, it's like... <laughs> okay. I could see the fire in your eyes, you know, your body's burning, but you know, you need the light. Like it's a very strong phrase and I'm like, don't mess with it. Just keep doing that. Um, whereas with Skylar, I was like, I got this beat right to it, Camilla from Tush. And she wrote to it. I got it back and I was like, Ugh, I don't, I don't, I don't think the beat works anymore, you know? So I changed the beat and uh, I I just jammed over her vocals. So that's a reverse of the process, but it, it worked out. But in general, uh, I'll have a beat already created and ask them to write to it and then finish it off. In terms of processing, I really love using, uh, I'm a UAD guy. So I use the Neve 33609 compressor. And uh, I that is the most musical compressor for vocals in my opinion i used it on home sweet home as well um where it's doing its job it, it's it's keeping the dynamics of the vocal performance where i want it without it sounding squashed and that's why i love that compressor on vocals so much right let's play skylar
There we go. Love that. Thank you. Yeah, you, you're, enjoy, you're I, enjoying the trip down memory road, aren't you? Yeah, I, I, I wrote that on a hydrosynth. It's like... Wow. Hydrosynth, uh, you probably can't really hear that. We could, we could. It sounded amazing. No, 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 it's funny. (laughs) I didn't have the patch ready. It's literally the first patch on the Hydrosynth, and I just boosted the cutoff. (laughs) They're loving it. It's right there. Like, it comes in. Here's the original. It's very light. Mm. And the thing about... That's better... The only downside to the hydrosynth, in my opinion, is it's got too much reverb on almost everything. So, wrong note. Anyway, uh, yeah, I wrote it on that. It's fun. Amazing. That's amazing. That's really cool. Um, well, Vasi may say that's a sorry, Miss Jackson reference melody. Nice, was it? Okay. Uh, Skelenki says that he loves the warmth in the mix, clarity without harshness. Um, yeah, cool. That's funny about the mix. Like, I don't, I mix as I go along. I, I actually, it's not a. I'm not trying to plug it, but I did a master class on Noodle for it. Um, just showing my process around mixing mm. as you go along. Because traditionally, a lot of people just, you know, they they go through the whole process of sketching and arranging, and then then they start the mix. And uh, I do it like as I'm putting the idea together to me. And I and I got into that habit. Someone told me I think it was this guy Gadget, who's if you're familiar with Drake's work, he's like the senior engineer on Drake stuff. Back in the day with my ASR, he was telling me, yo, man, just focus on quality samples and EQ them as you're building the idea so you don't have to worry about it later and it'll save you a lot of time. And I've just carried that through. So, yeah, I mix as I go along. Uh, um, you just got Mike Freak buying more gear. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, man, this, the, the Hydrosynth is dope. <laughs> it is it is so crazy. I, it happened to me, you know. I think we all experience this as musicians when we when we go to the music store. And we're like, oh, I'm not going to spend any money. I'm not going to spend any money. Four grand later, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, correct. and you don't even know where you're going to put it. it. That's the best part. Where am I going to put this in the studio? So it's funny. I mean, how am I going to get around my my wife, <laughs> my girlfriend? Yeah, in some cases, right? <laughs> yeah, that's in lots of cases. Let's talk YouTube. You have a YouTube channel, and it's absolutely banging. And if you're not going and checking it out, go and check it out, gang. If you haven't checked it out, you are you still doing the Patreon thing as well? Like I saw you were doing that for a while. Yeah, Patreon is still going on. I do a weekly production stream there, but Noodle Noodle is. Uh, I'm slowly migrating my content over to noodle mm-hmm. um and noodle is basically like patreon but it features asymmetric uh like conversation so mm-hmm. i i post something i could say all right uh i'm gonna make this available to everyone or i'm gonna give this to the noodle members so for example my mix as you go along master class all 13 chapters come automatically 
with the membership. Or if you don't want a membership, you just pay for the specific chapter you want out of the course. Whereas Patreon features the stuff too. Uh, but over time, like I want something where I could easily interact with people. Uh, mm. So it's just been a, a growth process. So That's yeah. Cool. So for my YouTube channel, people get into those and discord as well. Uh, yep. I'm in your discord. It's great fun. Yeah, right. Let's carry on. Number. Where are we up to number? Right. We skipped ahead. We're going to go back to the feeling of knowing because I missed the track. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, tell me about the feeling of knowing. I thought we did that one. Admit, I think no. you missed the dream. dreams. No, no, no. I've, I've been working. We did Mind, Body, Soul. We, then we did Skylar and I missed the feeling of knowing. And I love the feeling of knowing because I love the kind of... What I've noticed is your, the, your arrangement seems to be different to... A lot of tracks, and I, and I love them. They just flow, yeah. lovely. And I just was going to ask you about the kind of how you arrange tracks, how you kind of keep them unique to yourself. It's funny, yeah. I I used to hate arranging tracks, man. I was one of those people that would put the beats together, like the sketch together, have a nice mm. eight to sixteen bar loop going. It's like, oh, I gotta arrange it. But over time, I've come to really love it because I think there's little subliminal things you can do to keep the listener interested i see it almost like a game or a challenge and it de depends on the song like it, you know uh sometimes the song speaks to you in terms of how the arrangement should fall out at, at certain mm -hmm. points so that's that's my approach really it's it's never i mean there's a standard like there's you know the intro make sure it's dj friendly then there's the body of the song and then there's the outro to allow the DJs to be creative. I think I always think that structure is very important, but what you do in between in, in terms of the body of the track, you, you can do a lot of creative, cool things. So I love it. Let's play this in. The feeling of knowing. Let's go for it. go that's a banger uh, yeah now i remember <laughs> i was like Did we do this? Oh, yeah. oh it's so funny yeah that yeah that one i knew that i had to try and make that as interesting as possible in the arrangement because it's very you know like it's it's just a straight two beat four beat loop so the the interesting thing is the vocal right um, mm. and doing some creative things. So she's saying, you know, closer, closer. I just want to be closer, you know? So there's that when you realize what she's saying. And then I like doing that, just letting it go in terms of the whole phrase of what she's saying. And conceptually it, it worked well. 
you know, the feeling knowing because it's it's just like when you go again you go back to the concept of the album i just want to be closer right mm. without being deeply or explicitly religious in it but yeah that's that's generally what i feel in my relationship with god so um yeah that that one worked cool. out the snare the snare pattern too uh that's a dilla thing i learned is not only do i play it freehand without quantization necessarily, but I do like to change it up, right? I don't like it to be this predictable two, four sort of thing right throughout the song. You know, that's why it's like, but it's, it's very, it's a feeling and that's the energy you uh, printed his song. So. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people talking know. about the snare hats, the snare, the, everyone's talking about the snares and, Oh uh, yeah, pass pass the snare test. <laughs> pass the snare, pass, yeah. pass pass the the snare. snare farm. <laughs> pass the snare. And also the dream part two featured Fred P. Tell me about Fred P and where you found him and kind of where where are you finding these vocalists as well? Yeah, well, yeah, no, this the the dream part two. It's that because Fred P and I. Uh, so let me go back. So I was introduced to Fred's work early days when Kasi had launched Quench, and I was her. The first record on Quench was a collab, a collab record Kasi and I did together, and one of the songs was called "Please Me," and she asked Fred P to remix the song. So he remixed it, and it's like a beautiful, it's a beautiful remix. So much to the point, like I I don't play the original. <laughs> That that's how powerful. So I always remembered, like, man, if I got a project going, I need to do, I need to get him on the project. So fast forward a number of years later, um, I just hit him up on Instagram and said, "Dude, like, thank you again for that remix. Would you like to get on this song?" And I had a sketch of the dream originally, and then we did it over a weekend, like on a Saturday and Sunday, just passing files back and forth. He's in Germany, nice. and I'm here in Toronto. Uh, Canada so <laughs> so it was the dream and then I put dream part two because he elevated it to a whole other level like mm. I learned some really cool tricks just by the exchange of stems and what he did like he took a beat I had a, a percussion loop in there and what he did is he separated it he had one EQ'd as the low and the other EQ'd more in the mid to high range and then when they're separated like that, you can get very specific accents out of that mix. So when they're brought together, it sounds better than the original thing. So that happened. And then, and then he added some keys on it. And then I wrote the baseline, added some more roads to it. So it's this lush, soulful, um, deep dream. soulful house affair. Yeah. The dream part too. Um, it's definitely like, when I was listening to the album this morning, it's like, well, those eight tracks in a, uh, it's it's like I was like it was like the lemon sorbet, and it's like it just sort of cleanses before that before that come sweet home comes in right at the end. It was just like I was yeah. just like, oh, this is lovely little, and then 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 you get slammed with the last track, and it's just like I'm, ex I'm excited for you to hear this, gang. Let's play this now.
There we go, gang. How lovely was that track? Oh, my days. Lush, yeah. Skeleton Keys was saying, want to know about your percussion techers. Uh, wide <laughs> mix. He's, he's loving your wide mix. And also, those shakers are so good. They're like present, but not pokey. Yeah. No one likes it. No one likes a pokey shaker. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's all... But I think, I think all of that stuff is... Um, you know, I encourage this a lot in my workflow now. Like, it's to the point where Loop Cloud is like a staple in my workflow. And and, I, and I'm not saying that because I've done sample packs for them or whatever. It's just, honestly, it's such a good way to organize the samples in your library and make sure things are in key. Like, it allows you to do that and time stretch all of that great stuff. So... Yeah, I, I, it's it's definitely how level up the game and have those sureties of yeah everything is in key and it's it's sitting nicely in the mix because you can preview the sounds as you're sketching the beats. So it's cool. We spoke about how so yes uh, earlier briefly. You're playing this at night, is that right? Or this weekend, tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I'm playing there tomorrow night on Saturday in New York. Brooklyn, New York, man. Have you played it's there before? Great. Like I, I've seen it, and it looks amazing. Like it's a place I definitely need to go to because it's all my all the things that I love about music by the looks of it. Yeah, Tell me about it. It's my it's my fourth time there. My fourth, of, yeah, I think it's my fourth time there. It's amazing, man. They have such a. Every time I play at House of Yes, I, I remember, yeah, man. This is what house music, electronic music, is about. You know, it's the it has a very strong theatrical gay vibe to it, but it, there's also a very deep sense of community that's there. Like they're involved in the community. The people who are there, they're there because they have they a intense need to be there because it's mm. part of it's an extension of themselves. It's very it's very obvious. Um, so I always look forward to to going there, man. Even House of X, great. Their sister club in in Manhattan, slightly different vibe, but same thing. Like strong sense of community. Sound is great. So yeah, man, I'm looking forward to, to getting back there. That's cool. Um, Reminds me, I got to so- catch my flight. <laughs> my, my flight on Sunday is like super early. I'm like, I'm not going to. Oh no! That. I gotta no, do we don't that. want that. I gotta do. I gotta make that change today. Thank you for reminding me. It's <laughs> cool. Uh, the last track of the of the eight. Uh, obviously, we spent. The, there's a whole load of. There's loads more on the on the on the bandcamp on the digital. But for the last track of the eight is "Home Sweet Home," mm-hmm. and this is a uh, like I. It's a big classic house music track. It's, I love this track, and it's a lovely way to end the eight. Tell me about it some more. Yeah, Aaron K. Gray, an amazing vocalist in our scene, male vocalist. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's. I think he's incredible. I first came across Aaron's work. I did a remix for Nervous. There's a song he did with DJ Gomi called uh, All I Need. And I did like uh, sort of like a disco sort of sal soul remix of it. But his voice is incredible. Like I knew I had to get him on this album considering the concept of the album. So he, he took it to a whole other place. There's over 30 voices in those vocals. And he's singing them all. What like, the hell? Yeah, I got when I got the vocal. It's like the vocals are like stacked, man. Like third, here you go, thirty vocals, and it's just perfect. I had to do 
very little processing on it. Uh, but it's a, you know, it's a gospel take with, uh, like you said, classic house groove to it. Yeah. I wrote all the, the parts in there and it's, uh, well, it's actually a guitar sample that I chopped up from a jazz record. Nice. Uh, yeah. It's like, it, it'll fly by you. Like if you heard the original, you wouldn't know. Uh, so I just like took the chord pieces and played it in Serato sample and then, uh, added some bass and some additional keys and he, he killed it, man. That's cool. That's very cool. Let's play this. I'm gang in the chat. How many of you expect him to pull out a guitar from his little array back there after we play this track and then be like, <laughs> <laughs> let's play it. I could have listened to that all afternoon. That was lush, that track. Big up, man. That's cool. Yeah, Let's man. get to the questions. There's some more great questions in the track, uh, in the chat. Uh, have you ever got your dad on a, on a record? No, that, that'll never happen. I, you know, <laughs> uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's got, you know, it's, it's funny with certain musicians, they, not all musicians fall into this, but he's certainly one of them. Like he's just thinks if it's not an instrument, like it's not really music. Right. <laughs> but you know, uh, sampling is a real art, you know, Agreed. but yeah, no, that, that hasn't happened. I don't think it will because he just can't get his head around sampling. So, <laughs> um, someone else said a fairly new to production but how can an artist have tracks with, which totally sound different but yet have the same si signature sound oh that's interesting yeah yeah it's a great that's a great question um, that's um, that's all about finding your sound you know and falling into with confidence the things that uh, inspire you that become a part of your musical DNA you know, we all have it. But yeah, I always love to say this is close to 8 billion people on the planet, but each person is unique in their own way, you know? Um, and it's the same with artistry. You can, you, you, you develop, like, I love a great Fender Rhodes and uh, sweet bass line and swing in my drums, you know? Hmm. That's, that's part of my musical DNA. So as you fall into that, it'll translate into everything that you do. You don't even need to overthink it. And we all know mine. Mine, mine has to pass the, pass the bloody kick test, for crying out loud. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. And then, the, so the last track was called Home Sweet Home. I just was going to talk about just 
like things you do at home? Like what you're obviously making music a lot and do you have, do you have kind of hobbies outside of home and outside of kind of that keep you healthy otherwise than, you know, just that, you know, when, when, when you're, when you're making music all the time and it becomes your hobby, your hobby becomes your passion. Do you have something that kind of keeps, do you have other hobbies that you're into and um, you look quite stacked, dude. Big up. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really have, um, uh, hobbies necessarily because music is, is mm. so it's all, it's so all consuming for me because it, it touches so many, it, well, it touches every area of my life to be honest, you know? Um, but in terms of other interests, yeah. Like I like to go, I'm a member of, uh, art gallery, the, the ATO, oh, cool. the art cool. gallery of Ontario, uh, in Canada here. So I try and get there when I can just to see cool. different pieces of visual art photography as well i like oh, I reading that. yeah you know and, and reading is a whole other thing like you know you could get opened up to so much more and and i think what i love about this stuff is that uh your interpretation of all of these things find its way at least for me finds its way mm. back into this room so yeah are you a, are you a book reader are you an audible or a reader reader or it's faster man i can read like i can take in much more information that way if i read like a book i'm like i'll fall asleep man and what are you um what what was the last one you what was the last thing you read i love reading books as well like i i've got my audible's always stacked uh what what's what's been good for you yeah I can what do i need to download last last book they look at my library here last book i read how to talk to anyone by nice. Leah Lance and the richest man in Babylon. Now I've, I've, I've read that several times. It's a great book because mm-hmm. uh, the principles in there are universal. You must be successful. You know, that's, that's one of the lines in the book. Nice. Um, so yeah, I've read that uh, Ray Dalio's uh, principles. It's a really cool. great. Yeah. Ray Dalio. I'm not ahead of, of any of these. These are great. I'm going to download loads of these. I've got, I've got yeah, loads Ray of credit. So. Yeah, he's, he created the Bridgewater and the Vanguard Fund, investment fund. Nice. And he talks about the power of meritocracy and all that. The next book I'm going to read is by Rick Rubin on principles of creativity. So I've seen I've yeah. seen a lot of people sharing this book. I, I'm going to download this book as well. I read I, I read a one called Emotion by Design, which is a guy that used to work for Nike for thirty years, Greg, which is really good about mm. about brand and design and community, and that was really good. Oh, cool! I'll, check um, that out. I'll send you, I'll I'll send you the screenshot. It's, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, hit me with that, man. Um, yeah, he literally worked for Nike for thirty years and kind of went through like the the he who he kind of was part of the Air Jordan and the kind of all those big brands like becoming brands and. And the removal of the Nike from the swoosh and all that kind of stuff, and he was part of that forefront of that. So it's a really good, really interesting wow. book to read. That's cool. Yeah, man. I'll check that out. Wicked! It's five two. Hey, hey, we made it. We got all the music in, and we got the chat in. <laughs> uh, we were first. Uh, Demir, thank you so much, so much for doing hey, this. You. It's been it's been absolutely uh, so much fun, and it's been lovely to talk to you finally. Um, and I, th- I wish you all the best for this album and I know you've got a, a new single coming up an EP sorry a new EP coming up shortly as well which I, I can't wait to hear that as well yeah but thank you so yeah, much I got, for this yeah, a couple of things uh, I think I got something on yeah on mono side and Frappe is the label out of 
Prince. Uh, more sort of disco, housey stuff there uh, that I haven't done in a while. Uh, nice. So look forward nice. to sharing that. Yeah, and I, yeah, there's just loads, there's loads of stuff I need to get out. So check my Bandcamp as much as possible because that's where. Gang, go and check his Bandcamp. Go and be part of his Discord. Go and follow him on YouTube. Dimmer, thank you so much for doing this. I really thank appreciate you, it. Really Thanks for having me again. Appreciate you, man.